Art of the Ronin, Volume 1 of the Ronin Trilogy. Written and produced by Travis Heerman. Voice talent by Daniel McCarville and Zeus Legion. For more information, please visit TravisHeerman.com. This novel contains violence and mature themes. Listener discretion is advised. Chapter 8. Single-mindedness is all-powerful. Samurai Proverb. I have never seen someone fight with such ferocity in a mere contest, said Master Imamura. The other students are afraid of him. He spoke quietly, behind his fan. It was a warm day for spring and the training ground rang with the cacophony of wooden swords smashing together and cries of exertion, pain, and concentration. Birds sang in the meticulously pruned pine trees surrounding the periphery of the practice yard, just inside the stone wall that screened the sword academy from the rest of the world. Puffs of dust rose and hung limply in the air from the scuff of feet trampling back and forth. A melee swirled in the practice yard. Twenty-four students with wooden swords in a dangerous free-for-all. Blows from the wooden swords were usually not lethal. But sometimes accidents did happen, and limbs could be broken or skulls cracked. The students' means of protection were padded gauntlets, lacquered breastplates, and stiff leather skullcaps. Koga no Masaharu, master of the Koga Sword Academy, leaned toward his guest and replied, Many of the students are afraid of him. His technique is mediocre, but he makes up for his deficiency with raw strength. In less than half a year of training, he has injured three other students so badly that they were forced to quit. Together, the two teachers watched the surging melee. We're both in their late fifties, having devoted their entire lives to the study of the sword, fighting battles and skirmishes, and finally having gathered enough money and prestige to open their own training academies. Their schools were rivals, but the two men were old friends and had known each other since they served the Otomo clan together as young men. They wore the clothes of accomplished warriors, functional and simple, but made of fine, richly colored silk. They sat together in the shade of the training ground observation platform. Their gray hair was identically styled with shaven pate and warrior's topknot. The easiest way to distinguish one from the other was the long, pointed gray beard that dangled from Master Koga's chin. Master Imamura wore no such hair on his face, and his eyes were set deeper and further apart. Taro had already felled two of Master Imamura's best students by splintering their wooden swords with his own and driving the wind out of them with powerful blows to the belly. Master Imamura said, How did he come to be so strong? He is no bigger than anyone else. I'm not certain, but it might be the desire for revenge. 
He told me of a ronin he fought who defeated him and left him for dead. He is training so that he can find that ronin and kill him. Ah, he's just taken down Sato. That's three now. Poor devil, he's unconscious. That man of yours is quick. Sato didn't even see it coming. Master Imamura's heavy brow thickened into a frown. Every two years, the old sword masters met for a tournament of their top students. It was usually a good-natured affair, but sometimes the master's friendship was strained by the rivalry of their students. Injuries were to be expected, but serious injuries only caused bad blood. Even your own students are staying away from him. See? Look. They should be fighting together. Now my boys have taken the advantage by fighting as a team. His frown changed to a smirk of satisfaction. Master Koga saw that he was correct. Six of the Imamura students remained, facing four of the Koga students, including Taro. The Imamura students had just taken out three Koga students in quick succession by working together and fighting as a team. It was Master Koga's turn to frown. The tournament was going badly for him. Over the years, he held a significant advantage in victories over Master Imamura, and he had been confident of another victory this year. But now his pride was at stake. Master Koga's students stayed away from Taro, because he fought with such ferocity and wild abandon that he was just as likely to injure one of his fellows as the enemy. Master Koga had not told Master Imamura that Taro killed one of his students during a training bout a few weeks before. The death had not been intentional, but Taro lost control and struck with such force that both swords had been shattered, along with the other student's skull. The unfortunate student had taken three days to die. Master Koga said, I have warned him repeatedly that good technique will beat him every time, but he doesn't listen, and I have no student with the technique to match his strength. Master Imamura grinned wolfishly. Perhaps I have such a student. Michi Zayamon is my best, the leader. He comes from a strong family and his control is superb. I think we will soon see. Three of the Koga students clustered themselves and faced the Imamura students, while Taro stood alone, edging toward the outside of the practice yard, facing the Imamura student, Michi Zaimon. The larger melee was five versus three, but Master Koga could not peel his gaze away from the impending confrontation between Taro and Michi Zaimon. Taro's eyes were hard and calm, like those of a warrior who had seen a hundred battles. That alone was rare for one so young, but his flesh looked so sickly as well, pale and gaunt, belying the fearsome strength in his lithe limbs. His jaw was hard set, and his hands gripped the wooden sword too strongly. Master Koga had often warned him against gripping the hilt too fiercely with his right hand. The true power of the cut was in the left hand, and focusing on the right hand made all Taro's other techniques too stiff and wooden to be skillful. With a sharp cry, Taro charged, lashing out with a powerful cut to his opponent's belly. Michi Zaimon easily deflected the blow, 
but the power of the strike drove him sideways a step, and Master Koga saw the surprise in the young man's eyes and the flash of restrained fear. For several thundering heartbeats, the two young men traded blows and counterblows. Michi Zayamon's skill was superior, but Taro had strength. Master Koga found himself wanting to see Michi Zayamon victorious. He wanted Taro to be taught, once and for all, that power was not everything. The superiority lay with finesse and technique, not savage strength. Their feet scuffled back and forth across the dirt, and he heard their grunts of exertion, smelled the dust and the sweat and scent of pine needles from the trees. A surge of satisfaction rippled through him as Michi Zayamon sent Taro's wooden sword spinning away out of his grasp. Taro was now weaponless. Michi Zayamon prepared to strike him, which, by the rules of the melee, would mean that he was dead. Then, Taro's eyes blazed with rage, and he lunged forward. His left hand caught his opponent by the throat, and his right hand drew back and lashed out again. He punched Michi Zayamon squarely in the chest. The force of the blow cracked through the practice yard like the sound of a splintered tree trunk, and Michi Zayamon flew backward, skidding to a halt on the ground several paces away. Michi Zayamon coughed once, little more than a wet, feeble gurgle, and blood gushed from his mouth and nose. The rest of the melee ceased, and the other fighters stopped and stared at Taro, then Michi Zayamon. Taro stood stock still, his fists clenched at his sides, his breathing ragged, his eyes brimming with red fury. Michi Zayamon spasmed once, and then lay still, his bulging eyes staring at the heedless blue sky, blood bubbling from his mouth and nose. Dead silence settled over the practice yard. A feeling of sick dread settled in Master Koga's belly. And resolve. Master Imamura leaped to his feet. He's dead, you bastard. The rage began to drain from Taro's eyes. He unclenched his fists and bowed deeply. I'm sorry, he said. You're sorry, Master Imamura roared. You are a disgrace. Master Koga said quietly, Calm yourself, my friend. He is my student. I will deal with him. And as you can see, you have already won the battle. I declare this tournament finished. The victory is yours. Master Imamura stopped and looked around. Master Koga was correct. Only Taro remained, versus four of Master Imamura's students. Nevertheless, Master Koga was certain that Taro could have defeated them all, even without a sword. Master Koga continued, raising his voice to the students. Thank you all for your display of skill and courage. I concede the victory of this year's tournament to the Imamura school. As he spoke, he watched Taro's reaction and saw the young man's face harden. Michi Zayamon fought bravely. Let us all honor him. He bowed to the corpse, and everyone followed his example. Now, everyone go to the training hall to see to your wounds. 
the students relaxed and turned to go inside. Except you, Taro. He kept his voice even. Wait for me in my room. Taro bowed. Yes, Master Koga. Then he took up his fallen wooden sword and went into the school by a back entrance. Master Koga turned to his old friend and said, Master Ibamura, I must express my most profound regrets. Warriors must always be ready to die. But this death was wasteful and unnecessary. I'm sure you will agree. Master Imamura grunted something that sounded like agreement, but his face was pale. What he had seen had shaken him, the way Michi Zayamon had been killed. A single blow to the heart threw a lacquered metal breastplate. Please excuse me for a moment, Master Koga said. I must go and see to my student. Master Koga entered his room. Taro was waiting for him, as instructed. He had doffed his gauntlets and cap, but still wore the breastplate. Sweat plastered his hair to his face and neck. With the gauntlets removed, Master Koga could see Taro's discolored right hand. Up to a point just below his right elbow, the entire hand and forearm was a mottled deep red and purple, like a puddle of congealed blood. The nails on that hand were cracked and thick and yellowed. Seeing that hand always made Master Koga feel a little unsettled, because it was so grotesque. Taro said his hand had always been that way, but Master Koga had never heard of or seen a birthmark or deformity like it. He crossed the room and sat down opposite Taro. The coldness he felt came out in his voice. You have gone too far. Have you anything to say for yourself? Taro bowed deeply, pressing his forehead to the floor. When he sat upright again, he said, Only that I am sorry, Master. I did not mean to kill him. It was an accident. I do not believe you. I saw your eyes. You would have killed every man on that training ground. He took a deep breath and regained control of his voice. Taro's face turned red, and Master Koga saw the barely restrained tension in his hands. For a moment, he sensed Taro's desire to attack him, and knew that his decision was the correct one. As such, he continued, there is nothing further I can teach you. He waited for his words to sink in, and he met Taro's angry gaze with a cold, steely one. Taro's voice deepened. But warriors are trained to kill. I am a warrior. I train warriors here, Taro. Today you were not a warrior. You were an animal. You fought like an animal, without control or regard for the rules of this contest. And as a result, you have dishonored yourself and this school. I cannot countenance such behavior. You are finished here. Master Imamura would be within his bounds to demand blood for blood. But we are friends, so I think he will not. But, Master, I'm learning so much, and enough. My decision is made. Pack your things and leave now. Cause any trouble in this, and I will have you hunted down like an animal. Taro's terrible right hand opened and closed, flexing repeatedly, and his dark gaze burned into the floor. Go. 
Now. Taro stood up and left the room without another word. Master Koga sat in silence for a while, deep in thought. Taro had shown such promise in the beginning. His skills with the Jite were impressive. Even then, with the Jite, he could disarm most of Master Koga's students. But something had happened since then. He had become ever more bloodthirsty, often bragging to the other students the terrible tortures he would exact upon the ronin he sought when he found him. His descriptions were terrible to hear, even for a seasoned warrior, and unseemly. What had gone wrong with his student? Then, the first scream tore through the air. A second followed close behind, a gurgling cry of agony. Then a third. Now would be the true test. Calmly, he stood up and approached the rack where he kept his sword. He thrust the scabbard into his sash and tied the cords. A cacophony filled the halls of the school, echoing down the rice-paper passageways. His sword slid easily from the scabbard, well-oiled and polished to perfection. The muffled splatter of spewing gore, the tear of sliced flesh and bone reached his ears as he readied himself. He slid open the door to his chamber. The sounds of battle grew louder. He strode down the hallway toward the training hall. When he reached the training hall, the fight was over. Bodies and pieces of bodies lay like hacked and ravaged dolls, dismembered and strewn about. The air reeked with the stench of fresh-spilled blood and bowels. The polished wooden floor glistened with pools of spreading scarlet. Only two figures remained standing, and one of them had no head. Master Imamura's head was tumbling to the floor where it splashed and rolled across the floor through the blood, and his body fell backwards to land with a wet plop, legs and arms twitching. Now... Only Taro remained standing, holding his ensanguined blade one-handed at his side. His face was split with a wide, gleeful grin, horribly free of any mirth. His eyes burned from within like red coals. He was spattered and splashed with gore from face to foot. For the first time in decades, the shiver of ice swept up Master Koga's back, and turned his insides to cold gravel. But he would face it like the warrior he was. There was no more cause or room for words. Now, only battle and death. He raised his sword. He would teach this creature the meaning of skill and technique. He squared his body to face the bloody figure and waited. Fifteen paces separated them. Taro's face twisted for a moment into something that might have been regret, but it quickly disappeared, like a seashell on the beach engulfed in relentless surf. In a single leap he closed the distance between them and brought his scarlet sword down, 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 crashing into Master Koga's blade with the force of an avalanche. The last thing Master Koga saw was the snarling, grinning mouth and its yellowing teeth and dark red tongue filling his vision, and the words of the funeral sutras echoing in his mind. I take refuge in the Buddha. I take refuge in the Dharma. 
I take refuge in the Sangha. Thank you for listening to Heart of the Ronin, Volume 1 of the Ronin Trilogy by Travis Heerman. Volume 2, Sword of the Ronin, and Volume 3, Spirit of the Ronin, are available now on your favorite audiobook platform. Please visit TravisHeerman.com, look me up on social media, or send me an email. I would love to hear what you think about the story.